I'm Alex. And I'm Adam. And this is... Bropium for the Masses. Willkommen, bienvenue, uh, Bropium for the Masses. <laughs> Sorry, Laura's... I think you're you're German, are, are you not? Yeah, yeah French. Or you have German, German roots. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there you go. See, so that was an appropriate intro, I thought. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, maybe I totally butchered uh, Willkommen, but I don't, Not really. I don't really care. There's no one here to correct. No, I was no. good, right? So Sounded I didn't great. say Schweinehund or something like that. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to Bropium for the Masses, first guest on the show. I'm honored. I'm, I'm very honored to be here. Thank you. <laughs> We we did ask Joe Rogan to be on, but he declined, so we got you instead. Um, I'm for the ninth straight week in a row, he declined. He keeps, <laughs> he just keeps us declining. Yeah, no, no, we wanted to learn about ivermectin, and yeah, yeah, it, totally. And, he, and he's like, so, the, the jury's out, so <laughs> moving on. Uh, right, totally. <laughs> so everyone knows who we are. So Laura, please tell tell our listeners who. What's your potted bio? Uh, I, you have mulch in your pockets right now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wear mulching. I wear <laughs> I wear many hats. Um, my name is Laura Campbell. I am uh, I'm a small business owner uh, with my husband. We own a 34 seat lunch restaurant. Um, I'm a parent. Uh, there's I have two kids. They're six and eight, and they're awesome. And I'm really, really glad to know Alex because your wife helped to deliver. I think, yeah, one of my kids. Um, Let's not give her too much credit. She's a mouthy. She's kind of mouthy. <laughs> no, and, she was yeah, amazing. I don't. I don't, I don't I, we don't like her that much. No, she's good. She's good. Yeah, she's good. Sorry, she knows uh, me just as intimately. I can, I can respect that. <laughs> And, uh, and what else? Oh, and then, you know, I, I spent 10, well, 15 years in academia studying history and international relations. And uh, crucially, I am the Ontario Green candidate for Dufferin Caledon. So I am an active Green Party member provincially. And uh, yeah, I, I feel it's really important work. So that's what I do. That's yeah. awesome. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as as one of your former constituents, I am I'm I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank <laughs> former you. constituents, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so sorry, what's your PhD in? Well, I I'm on a leave for my PhD because of COVID, <laughs> uh, but it is an in international. Oh history. yeah, fair. <clears throat> It's an international history, um, and essentially what I study is my, my dissertation's about the late 1970s, inflation, Jimmy Carter, global economic policy. Oh. Um, yeah, it's really interesting and timely. Um, so my, my part of the reason why my research is on hold, and this is a long story, but the documents from the very first G7 conference um, and then the second one have been reclassified, which is really interesting. And uh, I don't know why. And the archivist couldn't tell hmm. me either. So it's not, it's really interesting because it's not nuclear policy, right? It's, uh, it's not even exciting. It's like, how can we coordinate fiscal and monetary policy between, you know, our partners, Japan, Great Britain, West Germany, et cetera? For some reason, they were reclassified. So, um, I am sort of in the, I was in the process of filing some um, freedom of information 
uh, access uh, requests and then uh, rejigging portions of my dissertation so that it could still work without these like very important documents. Um, and uh, and sorry, Kip's just coming in here with his laptop. Uh, and um, <laughs> he's here. He's, uh, I don't know what he's watching. Um, and so, yeah. But so, ultimately, yeah, uh, the, the it's, it's a lot. Carlson, the, the, the Tucker Carlson and me is now thinking there's obviously something that the government may not want us to know, and they're probably in those documents, and we should get a hold of them. And what are they hiding? Like, the, mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on there? What's your intuition about like who who's got like why would these be reclassified? Because everybody who's a moon landing denier is going to say, oh, well, clearly the government's trying to hide something, right? So um, my intuition tells me that. I went into those archives after Trump became president, uh, and mm. the archivist did tell me it's not what's in there; it's who knows. It was something about a person that is implicated mm. by the the documents. Mm. But I can tell you, it was not a very, you know, super interesting conference. Uh, it was filled with a lot of frustration, especially for the West Germans. Anyway, it's really dry economic history, and I'm not going to get into it because it's really, it's honestly, sure. it is dry. It's very important, and it's important because we have to understand how we got from progressive era politics, which we all want to get back to, you know, Um 1950s USA American dream that's you know the aspiration of every politician is that everyone can afford a car and a home and you know we have high quality uh employment with good benefits and you know the possibility of retirement of course unlike the 1950s when we want to replicate it today we want that to apply to everyone not just <laughs> certain people in our yeah, white people white people we can say it yeah. exactly so we um then I, so yeah progressive politics has to evolve i have the two prying questions mm-hmm. i have two prying questions yeah. just in the rapid fire are the reclassifications still available if you sit in like the archive and then look at them like one-to-one in person and they're not available digitally they're not of they're okay so good question not available at all so basically when i went to the archive um basically you get these huge folders with all the documents you need and you go through them and you write your notes on them and take pictures because you're trying to move fast i only had two weeks in the Carter Library. So I was like, take a million photos. Um, And then what happens is, you know, my sweet archivist comes out and she says, Laura, this this is feeling a bit light. And you open it up and there's all these slips that say redacted, redacted, withdrawn, withdrawn. So I don't know. I haven't been back. um, And I've been really busy since 2017. So I I did a bunch of uh, grading Mm -hmm. contracts and then I took my I took a leave for a year because I was trying to catch up, um, and I need and I never took a maternity leave with Owen, um, which which was a mistake. So I took it a delayed maternity leave, and then uh, and then COVID hit, and then when COVID when the kids finally went back to school, I was like, okay, I I need to take some time because there's so much that you know, I, other stuff that I'm doing. So, but it's important to me one day I'll finish it. I'm, I'm turning 36 then, this week. So maybe when I turn 40, I'll start it again. 
then <laughs> then I will think the, the 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 question I'll just leave off on it with. We can end it on this. Jimmy Carter, great president or the greatest? <laughs> Those two options only. Great president. It's an easy binary. Great president. Great president? Okay. Yeah. I guess yeah. I guess uh First Habitat for Humanity and nearly curing you know, <laughs> nearly curing sickle cell anemia in, in Africa isn't good enough for you to be the greatest, but fine. You know what? Good, good. That's really good. That's, that's a good point. Um, it's true. He really, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I, I hesitate to say greatest. I'm really holding out for, for more, but you're right. From what we've seen. For Trump 2024. I know. I know what you're you're holding up <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I get it. That's fine. You know what though? If you're gonna if you're gonna use the metric like curing a disease, like I, I think look, I'm gonna this is made by this might be unpopular. Like Bush uh George Bush Jr. Mm-hmm. did a like was fighting a war against AIDS for like his whole pro he continues to. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying Jimmy Carter's not doing anything either, but I just like I don't know if that's one of the metrics we're gonna use here. I, I don't know. I, I think George Bush has done a lot. I'm not a Republican, but I still think that's a worthy cause, right? I'm interested real, in his real new artistic real. career. W had great speeches. He's <laughs> a fantastic painter. I saw, yes, I saw exactly. Look, the oil paintings. I need to see emotion. more of those. <laughs> yeah. I want to see an artist. A, I want to see a physical representation of the phrase "smoke them out." I I want to see that. That's that's what I want to see. Or uh, misunderestimated my also my favorite word ever. I I also well, would just I mean, like. I think yeah. that's a fair. That, that's well, a fair. It's a fair transition, though. I mean, we we're, the American politics is easy, guys. But we're here. We're really yes. here to talk yes. about yeah. yes. the nitty gritty, the the spirit <laughs> fingers of politics, if you will. Mm-hmm. The Ontario election on June second, maybe in twenty twenty two. Yeah, Laura, you are you are a a, a candidate for an MPP, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's. I want to join uh, the folks at Queens Park to represent Dufferin Caledon because I'm just really interested in working uh, hard for people and you know, presenting an authentic, honest alternative. Um, You know, I want to be able to look at people and say, you know, I'm going to work as hard as I can for you. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not just going to, you know, try to buy your vote. I'm actually going to try and earn it. I'm also really interested in um, the idea that we, you know, just... That yeah, that we stand up to to uh, the idea of party politics and the deep partisanship that is so toxic. It's uh, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as very productive. It's not how we run our businesses. It's not how we run our families or or any of our organizations. And it's it's just upsetting to me to see, um, in particular, the two prog- other progressive parties just not working together more. So Greens are really all about working across party lines. Like we don't care whose idea it is. If it's a good idea, it's a good idea. And so, um, you know, Mike Schreiner, leader of the Green Party of Ontario, is really, really great at working with the other parties to get things done. And uh, 
he's he's a real power broker in a way because he he, he has good relationships with people. We're not interested in like cons- just shaming and blaming and you know, we will be very critical when we need to be, but at, you know, we are also in the business of working or, or figuring out a way to make things work and and continuing the advocacy. So I really I don't know. I just I I really like that approach, and I, you know, I believe in it. I think it's it's exciting, and it, yeah, makes me feel less cynical. I guess. It, no, I, I like that. It's amazing how you bring up like, oh, it you know, ideas should be Darwinian, not tribal. Like it, it you want the best mm. idea to win out, and not just like, oh, my tribe said this idea, so it's the best one. And you're like, ugh, mm-hmm. oh, that's not how good things happen. <laughs> Well, okay, I gotta. I'm gonna push back a little bit because is has the die been cast in a way that your idealism, which I which I which I think is inspiring, and you know, part of the reason we wanted to talk to you, it's like, don't you have to play the game that's being played a little bit or somewhat in order to get ahead? Like, to me, there's some level of. Naysaying some level of toxicity you have to inject. You have to point fingers a little bit. This they're doing it right, and it, you know it's like that uh, that line, that Aaron Sorkin line from uh, the, the the network or the new what's what's it called the newsroom, the ne- where Jeff oh. uh, what's his where, where he says oh, if, if liberal if liberals are so smart, why do they lose so goddamn always? And it's like yeah, cl- like being the bigger person isn't getting liberals like people i should say small l liberals people on the left it's not getting them elected it's the game is hyperpartisanship. it is um poisoning the well right it, like if so how do you win in a in a system that is already slightly so the, as i say as a die is cast a little bit there mm-hmm. I, I i'm sounding like like a nihilist no, maybe a little I, bit here or, or yeah it's yeah. like this yeah, I, I want. I was talking to Adam about this uh, last week. I said, like, we we are in a position in politics now where we can't even agree on healthcare and education anymore, which used to be like everyone agreed, right? Liberal and conservative alike said, well, we want our kids educated and we want healthcare to be really good, right? We may agree on how to run the government dif- or disagree on mm-hmm. on government spending and things like that, but we all agreed that we want our kids to grow up in, in a safe environment with good healthcare and have a home and roof over the head. We, we used to agree on those things, but it feels as though we can't even agree on those anymore. Like the foundations of our agreement are gone. Now, where are we at? But I mean, again, this is very cynical, but no. Um, yeah. It's, this, it's, you know, it's, it's I, feeling. <laughs> I hear you. It, it definitely feels depressing, but to me, I, you just, I just wouldn't feel like a win to me. It would not feel like winning if I was, Engaging. I know that sounds a bit cliche, a bit of a cliche. No, the way we win matters. The way we win. No, no, it, just, it, it doesn't. I if I won because I was playing dirty politics and not staying true. I mean, I'm just. I've always just been taught by my parents <laughs> to be kind and to be polite and to be gracious and to acknowledge the humanity in others. And so I can disagree. Um, with the politics of Doug Ford, which I do, and I don't even understand them. And and I think that we can then get into conversations around policy decisions. And, you know, and and I can I can say that I, I don't understand it. Like I, you know, but I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to get into a screaming match or a shaming match or it's just, I just don't think it's productive. Like, I think we need to talk to the people Mm -hmm. about ideas and how we improve our lives because I think that we're actually, well, I don't think, I know we're in very big trouble. We are in very big trouble, not just where it concerns climate change. That's obviously (laughs) the thing that dominates you know, my thinking constantly because, you know, I'm I'm an environmentalist, but the housing crisis is the one that really keeps me up at night. And, um, you know, I feel incredibly lucky to have a roof over my head. But when I think about, um, you know, my staff or folks in my community who are renters and are, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, and one day they want to own a home and that is off the table for them. I, I yeah. really, I, I, and it shouldn't be. And I'm, I'm just really interested in making it, a, a, you know, working towards a situation where that's no longer true, that that is no longer a reality for people, that we actually have affordable housing. So that's what I'm really interested in. I'm not here to play politics. And um, I, I actually just want to bring people along, you know, like, whether it's the NDP or the liberals. I mean, I've already been doing this from the sidelines forever, even before I was a Green. I you know, was constantly writing letters to people, um, cabinet ministers, my, my MP and my MPP, with not a whole lot of success. Many of them did not respond to me, yeah. or, or it would be something completely unrelated to what I was writing about. But you know, just if you keep it up, you know, just keep it up, and eventually you have small wins. And those small wins feel so great because you, you've done them in an eth- you've you've gotten there in an ethical way, and uh, yeah. So that's 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 what I'm. I but I I hear you, Alex. I think obviously politics is very toxic, but we all have to do our part to yeah to turn that around because it's not getting us anywhere. Well, is it is it not a reflection of who we are as a people then? Right, like if we didn't want our to- our policy our our politics this toxic, well, we wouldn't allow it to become thusly. But we have, we have allowed, you know, we jokingly talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, like you know, from the Republican Party in the states, like mm-hmm. the the literally the lowest rung on the political ladders here, and and it, it's it, those people couldn't get elected, but not for constituents who believe in the things they say and love that level of toxicity. So mm. I, I just, I, people like to say, you know, pol- politicians, you know, what's, what's the joke about uh, it's, it's po- politicians or, or lawyers. It's like, what's, what's something about 50, 50 lawyers at the bottom of the sea or something like that. It's like, I, I, I forget what it is. Yeah, that's a good start. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but we're the ones who elect them. So to, to, to the idea that they're totally I to blame mean, for everything. All right. Or, Objectively or the, or, speaking, you know, you know, I, I, I think I, the United States is a an exceptionally imperfect democracy. I mean, after mm-hmm. Citizens United, and it, it's hard to know how much, you know, with all the institutionalized gerrymandering and voter suppression that happens there, it's hard yeah. to know, you know, and just, you know, it's hard to know what is an accurate reflection of the will of the people and what is just you know, theater yeah. and ad dollars and, and all of that. So I think it's, yeah, sorry. For, for, for context, for the listeners, can you please clarify Citizens United? It's because it's, it is a cornerstone landmark, landmark, landmark case, piece yeah. of legislation that 
effectively allows allows more money into politics. Uh, Laura, if you'd like to yes. elaborate. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it's a great segue back into Ontario politics because in Ontario, there used to be uh, corporate donations to political parties. So uh, that was a thing. And, you know, it wasn't much. But Ontario politics doesn't require the kind of money that U.S. politics does, you know. Uh, but still, it was yeah, a thing, yeah. you know. Uh, big corporations, whether developers, aggregate companies, um, you know, uh, builders associations, gave money to political parties and candidates. And the uh, Mike Schreiner, leader of the Green Party of Ontario. We are a very democratic party, very interested in, you know, people power. Basically went into Queen's Park and said, this has got to stop. And he got, um, I guess, okay, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was obviously Kathleen Wynne and um, Andrea Horvath. And uh, who was the PC leader at the time? It wasn't Doug Ford. Um, oh, it was... Um, no, it was after... T- who was after Tim Hudak? Uh, Everything. No, Hudak was in there for a while. Um, <clears throat> oh, Patrick Brown. Maybe? Was, uh, is it Patrick? No, 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 no. Yeah, yes, yes. It was Patrick Brown. You're right. Yes, because he was he became the disgrace leader and went on to become mayor of Brampton, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, Over the allegations, whatever the allegations were. Yeah. And he brought them to the table. He wasn't even elected yet. Uh, he was just leader of the Ontario Green Party and uh, said, we've got to get this done. And I don't need to take credit for it. Like, run with it. And everyone agreed. And so now we no longer have corporate donations. And sadly, there, you know, as the 2018 election showed, um, there is that tricky bit about third party advertising, which was the, uh, you know, Ontario mm. proud got all of the donations from the developers that would have otherwise gone to, um, would have gone to the PC party. And uh, so lots of money went to Ontario Proud and they advertised for Doug Ford in a roundabout way. So So we got to figure that out. People (laughs) who don't know what that is, for people who don't know what Ontario Proud is, what, uh, Adam, have you seen any of this Ontario Proud, the, the Facebook websites or anything like that? No, thankfully, I just get to watch Alberta-style political advertising, which is mostly just uh, a war against carbon taxing. So yeah, that's that's all. That's all my appetite for politics, political Ontario uh, advertising is like on Facebook was was borderline. No, I would I would say it's borderline. It was promoting um, tropes against women. uh, uh, Tropes against the left in in every way, shape, or form. It became like such a cesspool of anti-liberal mm-hmm. hate, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it was gross to watch. And then I saw a lot of people who who I know to be, you know, they're like, they're just right of center conservatives that are friends of mine. I see them sharing memes mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, news articles, things like this, that are from this Ontario Pride website, not knowing who funds it, who runs it, Mm-hmm. Um, wh- you know what the meaning of it is. It, it became I don't know. Came became pretty gross to be uh, it, totally uh, fair. Absolutely. I wasn't aware that, that that they became. I didn't. I didn't know they got all these third party donations in that way. Yes. So you're kind of you're filling me in on this. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, Canada Land was the first place that got access to those financial documents. But I think it was like at least half a million dollars from Madame e. Holmes. Um, oh my god. <laughs> 
I could be wrong on that number. It was it was a lot. There was a lot of like two hundred thousands, ninety eight thousands. It was from all the uh, big mm-hmm. uh, developers. So, and I mean, it, it, yeah, Ontario Proud was. I don't know how much that played into it. You know, in the end, obviously, uh, the Liberals had been in power for a long time, and it was a change election anyway. But you're absolutely right. What I saw being shared uh, from that group um, was really, it was just, it was hurtful. It was toxic. Um, I don't know Kathleen Wynne personally, but uh, she is a customer. She's come into the restaurant a few times, and I've seen her around, and She's very smart, and so and I her son, actually, I, I work with her son. Yeah, from yeah. as from a from an advertising perspective, though, you you have to game got to recognize your game. Um, uh, totally, yeah. I, I'm on the interactor uh, or I'm a member of the Interactive Advertising Bureau Canada, IAB Canada, which participates in all of the legislation and regulations surrounding political advertising. And if you can find a non-directly political affiliated third party to directly promote your messaging while not directly endorsing you, just talking around all of your values, you may very well have found yourself the best group of talking heads who put out the content that is the... There's a there's a there's a copywriter term for it. It's called like it's about time someone said that. It's uh there's like a conversion copywriter term, and you're writing copy yeah. to say those things just just um you, you like enough that people were like I could never say that out loud, but someone else said it, and a lot of people are agreeing with it. Oh, I could conform to this ideology. I'm glad fi- I'm glad someone finally said that, mm-hmm. and that's and, what. Basic Ontario Proud did writ large, yeah. Which, which, yeah. that's that's where if if you can maneuver the system, well, mm-hmm. good job, I guess. <laughs> right. I think, and and this is where this is where democracy is so important, and this is why campaigning is so important. I mean, this is one of the things that uh, our team and I are going to do is we're going to knock on as many doors as we can in Dufferin Caledon and just talk, chat with folks at the door. And, uh, and I hope the other parties do it as well so that, you know, we're able to share our ideas and our policies. I mean, Greens are exceptionally, we're, po- we're a policy-driven party. Um, we are a very grassroots organization. Policy comes from the membership. Um, and then, um, you know, we we take those ideas and we put them into our platform. So we already have three policy papers that uh, we're we're already campaigning on, and we're going to have a, a completed platform uh, probably in a few weeks. But the policy papers are are brilliant, you know. And uh, the one on housing, for instance, um, the Toronto Star called it a masterclass in housing policy. So it's really neat to talk to folks about. Um, the ideas because they are, yeah, they're really, you know, we're really passionate about the actual ideas, about the policies. So it's, you know, I think people need to to go on to the, the websites of all the parties and, and read it for themselves. It's, you're not going to decide an election based on a meme. And I think that we have learned that. And I hope you know, that's the message mm-hmm. I want to put out there. It's like, you know, just make up your own mind. Don't listen to your pundits and okay. your. Mm-hmm. 
What percentage of voters do you think exist, or maybe you have metrics to support this, who's undecided now in this provincial election? Is there is there an amount of people you think the Greens are going to be able to grab, or those people are going to go liberal, whatever the case is? What's what's your mm-hmm. intuition about this? Because to my to my eye, a lot of people I already know, they already know who they're voting for, right? So... Uh, and, and and if you could level set, please. Uh, and uh, Mike is the sole uh, Green Party mm-hmm. elected Mike candidate. Shriner. Yes, yes. Mike Shriner. Yes, yeah. and, and he's the, from Guelph. Historically, the first, correct? Like it's That's this right. is this is a gainsier for Green as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So this is. Yes. The war war of inches, but that's right. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, well, still it, the war. So it, it makes a difference if we. Uh, so, for instance, in a minority type situation, um, you know, even having three greens at Queens Park could be very, very, uh, very cool because we would have the capacity to to just get people at the table and get us working towards solutions to the problems that all of us are facing. Um, and again, because we're collaborative and we work across party lines and we're willing to acknowledge when someone has a good idea and say, hey, that's a good idea. And maybe you might consider this, if we do it this way, it'll be more effective. And don't you want to deliver the most effective thing for your constituents? And then actually show them the data like our opponents, show them the evidence and bring them along, you know, and that's what we call a balance of responsibility. We we would hold potentially the balance of responsibility, the responsibility to keep others honest and to make sure that we're delivering for people in Ontario. That's that's really what Greens are about. And how like many that. undecided people there are, I, I don't know that answer. I know from calling, I've been doing a lot of calling, um, phone calling while there was still too much snow to canvas. And people are, you know, people are undecided. A lot of people are still undecided. Um, and I think, sure. I think we, that'll shift. Once the writ drops, once we start to see the leaders in televised debates and once people are like, okay, I really mm-hmm. got to think about this, you know, it's COVID people are, and we saw that with the federal election, the the most recent one, right? Like people are, they're just trying to get by. They, they don't really have time for political games. And, you know, certainly like, I, I honestly feel that too. I'm obviously deeply invested in this, but yeah. I just, I, I just want to no, get to I, work. I, mm-hmm. And this might be a more divisive question. Yeah, no, this might be a more divisive question, but how often do you feel like the Greens are the adults in the room <laughs> and then everybody is just, you know. Well, it depends like, who's in the room, I guess. You know? Like like most have said, politicians straight steady politicking. I mean, yeah. this is <laughs> like, how often do you come to the table or at least in these policy papers and then with getting your platform ready, how often do you look at it and you're like, why do I feel like we're the adults in the room and mm-hmm. everybody else is just here to actually play games? Mm-hmm. I, well... To be perfectly honest, I am just a mere <laughs> sandwich maker at the at the restaurant I work at. No, I mean, I, I'm not in the room yet. So I don't, I'd like to be in the room. But from my, like from the outside looking in, certainly that's often the way it feels. I often feel like, you know, I just think, please, could we have, you know, some more Mike Shriners? Uh, at Queen's Park, mm-hmm. you know, 
just the the spirit of collaboration and just his um his caring for others and uh you know and also pressing when he needs to and being critical when he needs to it's not like we're like oh you know covid's hard it's okay it, you know it's not okay to to lie to the people of ontario that is not okay you know but you know, call it out and offer a solution. That's my thing is like, if we're going to call out the opposition on something, you have to be ready with a solution. We can't just say wait times are too long at a hospital and not explain how we're going to get out of that situation. Um, And so that is why I'm agreeing. That's why I'm not in the NDP I, I mean, I used to be a liberal, but that's a long, long time ago. But uh, because I feel like I need- a time of which we will not speak. <laughs> no, it was it was it was an interesting time. Glenn Murray was a liberal then. Now he's a green. Now he's a federal green, actually. Oh, but, yeah, fair, yeah, he was fair. the environment minister. Um, but uh, it's really interesting because I think, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say, yeah, agreeing to the only adult in the room because I think there's fantastic MPPs from all parties working hard. But the difference is, is that there is a party whip in those parties and, you, you know, you have a strategy and you all go with it together. And so there isn't that space to have, um, you know, to be a true voice for your constituents. And there isn't much space for your conscience in that kind of environment. So, I mean, I imagine it would be very hard to be a true progressive Bill Davis conservative in the Doug Ford's party, right? Because you have to vote along with this stuff and you... You believe in preserving wetlands and you believe in building transit and you believe in farmland. When Doug stands up and talks, you ha- everyone has to stand up and clap in unison right. or I you're going to be out of that. the party, right? It's like when yeah. they do this stuff, I think it's like how how can you in good conscience play this game, like this drama you're doing? It just It's so gross. I think they, they think other people don't see it, but it's very clear to me. More people need think, to watch these you ever- <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm boring. I watch C-SPAN, right? So... <laughs> Do you ever do you ever see it as like um, then at least Greens at least we can maintain some level of representative sovereignty over our our deci- decisions because mm-hmm. we're representing our constituents. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to dissent mm-hmm. with like with mm-hmm. my own party because mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, my constituents do not like that idea. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. is the, are you, are is that what you really want to push for as yeah. well? Like constituent so, accountability. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that's like one of the most. Ac- the best thing about being green. It's uh, it's really, it's awesome. Uh, and a good example of that, uh, and this is a federal example, but, uh, you know, the federal greens, um, we have two members of parliament in Ottawa right now, uh, obviously Elizabeth May and Mike Morris from Kitchener Center, uh, who just told a story around, you know, how a very small caucus of two people, but obviously, uh, you know, in conversations with the interim leader, uh, Dr. Kutner, uh, you know, there was a discussion around the um, Emergency Act when the convoy was happening and uh, whether or not that should be passed. And there was a lot, you know, Greens try to build consensus. There's a lot of conversation back and forth around, uh, should we support this? Should we vote for it? Should we vote against it? Elizabeth voted for it. And Mike 
voted against it. And hmm. the sky did not fall. It was a difference in opinion. And both came at it from a different perspective. Both were so um, really thoughtful about how they arrived at their position. And I think that that's like, there's an example right there. The other one is we don't just vote for things because they're popular. Uh, when Doug Ford announced that he would be giving uh, rebates for license plate stickers, which is, in our view, an election gimmick, Mike why? Schreiner, why? I know yeah. why. It's it's absurd. Why? So, uh, because I, I don't know why. I'm not that party. I don't know why. We, uh, Mike Schreiner voted against it. The sole MPP in Ontario to be like, we cannot take $1.1 billion out of Ontario's coffers per year. How we need to be paying nurses more. We need to be retaining healthcare staff. We need we need to do so much more. The last thing we can do is afford to take money out of our coffers. And you know, we want good progressive, you know, high quality services, but we need to show how we're going to pay for them. The people of Ontario deserve mm -hmm. to know how we're going to pay for them. And you know, if you tell people, listen, like, yeah, it sucks. I mean, I am the worst. I, I'm always a, just a little bit late renewing my license plate sticker. I, I'm, I'm, you know, full Same. disclosure. I'm a busy mom. I'm just disorganized. And then I'm like, ah, my birthday just passed, you know. But I know that when I pay for that, that money is going towards our schools, our hospitals, our roads, you know. Uh, the roads, yep. You know, all of this stuff. Right. So it was a, yeah, it was an election gimmick and, you know, and Greens aren't afraid to just say like, yeah. I know this looks popular. It's, it's great to get money in the mail. <laughs> it's great. You know, our, our, uh, refund shell got a refund. You know, we really toyed with the idea of like, where can we donate this? We should donate it. But actually, uh, our propane mm -hmm. bill is very high. We heat our home with propane <clears throat> yeah. and oh. it's like, I'm going to put that towards the propane. <laughs> you know so yeah. <laughs> which which Attaboy. this is this is like this is a fascinating uh, like gimmick when you know it's a gimmick because it's actually so close to an election mm -hmm. it is what averaging 480 dollars like the checks yeah. what are like what are they like it's something, yeah. something around that and yeah. all the way back it's retroactive to 2020 yeah like some people got like $700 that's the fascinating back. part why retroactive? Yeah. Why not so just, it's just say, like, <laughs> I know. Why? I know. Moving forward. Oh, but no. If I if I put a big old Doug Ford stamp on the envelope saying, look what your Ontario government does for you right before an election, then I'm top of mind. Mm -hmm. Well, does, it, does this look like stimulus? It's. Right. Does yeah. this look like it? It. it it has a stimulus feeling about it, right? We're open for business, blah, 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 the mm -hmm. way Doug Ford wants to do it. So I, it feels I like, a like a stimulus, stimulus check is what it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's not, it's yeah. not no, enough. Not and it's, it, but, but yeah, it's, it isn't enough now. But, yeah. but you know who it's going to be enough for? People who love Doug Ford. Yeah. Right. The the base is going to deepen, but I don't know if it's going to widen, but it mm -hmm. certainly deepens that that base of support. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. look, I told everybody who was a nurse, I mentioned this to Adam, if you got a rebate check before, because he was giving away, I think it was like a thousand dollars to nurses or something like that, too. It's like, take that thousand 
invested in a political party that's not running, that's mm-hmm. not Doug Ford's. Mm-hmm. Use the money he gives you to, to try and defeat this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of, so maybe mm-hmm. the rebate checks, maybe people will take their uh, licensing fees and donate to the Greens immediately, right? And it's I, like, there yeah. you go. Take I definitely, kind of, I, I don't I've, know if it makes a big difference. But it, 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 yeah. Definitely a few. I've heard a few <laughs> folks say that. They're like, I would have donated to your campaign. I just got, you know, so sweet. And mm-hmm. I'm always so touched. And it just, it makes me feel so, like, I'm so humbled when people donate to my campaign because, well, in 2018, we ran a, you know, a campaign on a shoestring budget. Like, we didn't have a campaign office. We basically just said, okay, raise enough for signs. And, you know, the important thing is we just show up in our community and and tell them we're here and that we're listening and we're advocating for the good ideas and making politics less, less toxic and more productive. And that's the message. And now at the second time around, I'm like, okay, well, we need some resources so that more people can hear that message. Because when I'm at the door, so many Agreed. people are like, yes, I love this. I, I want to vote for you. I'm afraid. And so we get into the strategic voting conversation and – I just say, you know, every vote matters, every vote counts, and we we have to vote for what we believe in because otherwise what what else, you know, what's this all for? I mean, what does what does anything matter if, you know, you can't just vote yeah. for who you want to vote for because you're afraid. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. And I and you know that I I think we've had this conversation. I worked on uh, Bob Cordonier's campaign mm-hmm. last time around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's the he's the Liberal can- MP yes. candidate for this yes. area. I know he's running again. Yeah. Um, I don't, unfortunately, I, I don't have the time to to help him. But um, I was door knocking in uh, Bolton for him. Mm-hmm. And do you know how many people said they were upset about license plate fees? Like that that was a real thing in twenty. Uh, 2018, right? Like people were very mad about the cost of license plate stickers going up. Mm-hmm. So I see this move by the Ford government as strategy as well to, to say, remember those mean liberals who raised your license plate fees and like not not as though they weren't trounced enough in 2018, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, here we are again. And uh, I don't think Stephen Del Duca is a household name, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think they're trying to capitalize on that. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, well, I, well, I got to well, be mindful of your time too, because you no, only have so much time. Yeah, that's but, okay. Uh, yeah, I know. We have questions for you too. Yes, We have I'm questions ready. for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, Adam, no, yeah, Adam, <laughs> I, 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 I can kick, I'll kick, I will kick, I will kick it off. I have, I have a bit of a whirlwind question. Okay. So, t- so deal with it in any sort of you know 1995 twister fashion as you will. Um, what do you think is the most, like, if not most important thing, but at least something that people don't know or understand about the Green Party mm-hmm. in this next election cycle? Can I give you a fake answer that uh, people tell me all the time about Greens? Yes. That they, they want to give 8% of our GDP away to uh, to foreign countries in order to um, support poverty in other countries. That, I'm not kidding. Eight, I was like, 8% here? of our GDP? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that that cannot be correct. No. Oh, no, it's their policies. Also, I was like, I've, I've never heard this before. Also, it's, GDP is like the wrong metric to even do that. You're like, you want to take 8% of our transaction volume and send our transaction volume to another country? I didn't say this person was intelligent. 
the idea is that yeah. Greens want to give away all our money. But so, uh, I mean, I, I, I think they use GDP not knowing what GDP was. What does it matter? Right. Yeah. Oh, but, but it's like, what? Where do you, Yeah. Is there any policy? Let's put it to bed. Put it to bed. Is there any policy yeah. statement the Greens have that is like, so yeah. the thing that I'll say right away is uh, the thing that people should know about Greens, they we are not a one-issue party. I mean, for anyone, I'm knocking at their door and they go, oh, you guys, I love the environment, but, you know, I I, I, I want to do everything I can and, you know, this and that. And I, I'm like, actually, we, you know, the environment – and, and climate, it, it encompasses a lot of things. But Greens are definitely not just a one-issue party. And you would be surprised. I heard Elizabeth May uh, was talking to, maybe it was Anna Maria Tremonti. It was like on The Current. It was in 2019. And the question came, well, are you just a one-issue party? And I couldn't believe this was coming from a CBC journalist. I mean, I, you know, we, not everybody believes that anymore. We have a very sophisticated political party that, you know, we have a housing paper, we have a mental, we have the first party political party in Ontario that has a standalone mental health platform that we've been working on for a very long time because there's so, there's quite a few mental Mm -hmm. health experts in our party. Um, and you know, we've been advocating for it for a long time and now we're putting it out there and it's, it's fantastic paper. Um, the other one is housing. Of course, uh, there's a lot on education in our platform. The green vision is a holistic platform. Um, there's a lot on economy. I mean, fundamentally, I'm really interested in the economy. I'm interested in creating prosperity for the people of Ontario. I'm interested in creating wealth by investing in the new climate economy. And that means that we, you know, take people out of jobs that are really, really bad for the environment and cost us a lot, cost us a lot in terms of health. And uh, sorry, you guys just went away. I'm just trying to, oh, there we go. Um, Cost us a lot and, you know, creating or at least investing in the type of economy, because I think governments don't really create jobs like we can you know, move economies mm-hmm. in certain directions, but private private industry is going to be doing a lot of that. But investing in those kinds of industries where, you know, one, they're sustainable because they're not a boom and bust type industry. They're good for the environment. And we can um, make sure that workers have uh, job security benefits, good salaries. You know, it's just that that's, you know, that's what I want for my kids. You know, I, I, yeah. So yeah. I think that that's what I would want people to know is we're definitely not a one issue party. Yeah. Adam. It's amazing how everything you just said is weirdly, weirdly aligned to the Alberta hyper right government's like initiative for retraining oil and gas workers into the new tech economy and how it's like, Oh, I can teach a bunch of people to code or teach a bunch of people to mm. maybe become digital strategists, but there's ultimately you need the actual private sector to create those jobs first and then mm-hmm. create the demand mm-hmm. for all of those those jobs. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny how you're saying, well, if we if we invest in long-term 
you know, long-term initiatives that maybe, you know, take people from jobs that are bad for the environment and put them towards jobs that might be good for the mm-hmm. environment or even good well, for the economy also, as a whole. And I'll, yeah. And also just like bad for the workers. Well, definitely bad for the communities. Um, you know, I, we can get to that later. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a quite a few close friends that are Indigenous and, you know, this is a conversation we have a lot. I, But, uh, you know, I know folks who've worked in the oil sands and I mean, it's not like they're like, this is the best gig ever. I love my job. I love being so far away from my family because they're from Ontario and they're like flying out there for a three to four Mm. week stints, flying back. Oh, then boom, you're laid off because we just don't need you right now. And then, you know, because because oil goes goes a higher goes lower than sixty dollars a barrel and it's right. not economical to pull it out of the sands anymore exactly. or whatever the case is right yeah. exactly exactly yeah. that um, and yeah. so uh, so you know I know a couple I know one guy who worked in the oil sands and uh, guess what he's installing solar panels now and electric vehicle chargers in people's driveways he started a new company he's so busy like the electric vehicle boom. It will be a boom, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. Obviously, the environmentalist in me is aware that you know there are externalities related to electric vehicle production that are not great either. But you know, we're human beings; we do have an impact. Lithium. <laughs> yes, that's right. Lithium, um, you know, and definitely in vulnerable parts of the world, uh, like Democratic Republic mm. of the Congo. Um, Bolivia, it's, it's, you know, we really have to make sure I was listening to this woman talk, uh, she's on the Green New Deal panel in the United States. And she's talking about how we have an opportunity to get it right. We need to get it right. We need to make sure that we uh, workers are treated fairly, that we're taking care of the places that we're taking these minerals from. Uh, But you know, this is all stuff we have to get right. And this is why it's so important to have greens at the table when we're doing this, because we're going to be the ones who are like, wait a minute, Let's. We have to consult with indigenous communities. We have to make sure that everybody's being taken care of. That being said, and I like I am excited for electric cars, but uh, I that's not the answer. That's not the answer, right? The answer is not that we replace every single car on the road with an electric car. The answer is is that we use much less cars in general as well. Like people have to start using transit. We have to build that transit because it it doesn't make sense. We we only have a certain amount of land in Ontario yeah. that we can farm. And to continue to accommodate growth via sprawling over that farmland, when that is a finite resource, like Canadian Shield cannot grow wheat and corn uh, and, you know, soy and all of the things that we need to, I guess, feed cows and export, but hopefully one day convert it into, uh, you know, a crop that we can actually consume in Ontario. That's the the end game, right? Grow food that we can feed ourselves with. Uh, but, you know, the idea is that you have, you can justify high quality public transit networks because you have Uh, like a higher density of people living inside the GTA. Like this is what all of the Stop Sprawl movements across the GTA are all about. Um, I'm part of Stop Sprawl Appeal. I've been fighting the 413 for two years. Uh, Adam, if you don't know, this is a very controversial highway project that's been resurrected by Doug Ford. It essentially is, uh, I think, 14 kilometers. I could, that statistic might be wrong, but it's just like, you know, 
uh, north of the 407, which is a privately owned highway, uh, you know, that is empty. It's empty. Uh, so, you know, we need to be making sure people are getting onto transit. And I think folks can, you know, have a car, have one vehicle for your family that when you need to go do something, you can, you can use it, but you can also car share. You can, if we have bike lanes, we can ride our bikes, you know, there's, yeah, we just got to get away from, from the way that it's been. But I live in a rural riding. We all need cars up here. Obviously, I'm not going to be like, why is there no train or bus stop in front of my house, you know? So there are going to be clean options for people that continue to need a car and including trucks, which is super cool. Like the electric F-150. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's like, wow, you actually don't need a truck cap now because you've got cargo space that's protected from the elements under the hood. And then you can have the back because <laughs> there's no freaking engine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's cool. This yeah. is wild. Yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I find the cap on our truck super annoying because because sometimes I want to put things in it and I'm like oh, I can't like the cap, but we need it because if we're doing anything where we need it's it, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. What were you gonna say, Adam? Well, I find I find it it's very interesting to have a not only a well a toll road owned by a foreign government as one of the primary veins in the GTA because the four hundred seven is owned by I believe a Spanish conglomerate, yes. yeah, um, or a Portuguese conglomerate. I cannot remember which Spanish. one. Spanish, um, but the yeah the 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 fact that the the new highway project being resurrected is might get fanfare and yet everyone is i guess so forgetful about you know if not highway maintenance then highways in the sky uh vis-a-vis gardner expressway and dvp being just ongoing maintenance projects that cost everybody so much money and have such little return on investment except for Oh, I guess we got to make it four lanes now. It was two lanes. Oh, better make it six lanes. Oh, okay. Like, here's I, what I know. I can't leave the city faster after a Raptors game <laughs> on any of those roads. <laughs> it's actually, I feel like it's slower. I feel like it's worse. It's very strange. Yeah. It's terrible. And but that's, look, 407, I love it. It's very, fa- it's very fast. I love you it. You know what? 407 is. Toll roads, uh, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Shell and I just went to go visit. <laughs> we went to go visit his uh, best friend in Peterborough, and we were like, "Uh, like, should we take the four hundred seven? And we were really tired. We had like a really long week, and we just wanted to get out there. And the kids were like, sometimes they're great in the car. Sometimes they can do like four hours in the car and just be but we could tell the mood was this was not going to be a good drive they were already kind of at each other's throats so we're like let's take the 407 it was so luxurious and and it was so you know it was nice it was very fast <laughs> and then and then of course like we got the bill you know we got the bill yeah, it sucked. But um but yeah, that's obviously my family. We don't make a ton of money. We don't we don't travel to far-flung destinations around the world. So our little slice of heaven was taking the 407. That was our, you know, that was our big trip. <laughs> it's the little things. It's the little things. Yeah, hashtag the little things. <laughs> Blessed. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So, a couple, a couple of the things I wanted your hot take on, because we love hot takes here, and yes. um, 
molten lava takes. Yes. We need we need sound bites to misrepresent your opinions later. So <laughs> and discredit you. Don't forget yeah. the discredit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the you know the 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 pseudo coalition. We'll call it a coalition mm-hmm. for our purposes between the NDPs mm-hmm. and the libs. Uh, federally, did you? I mean, are you? Is it something you support? Do you see it as being? It, are they really just working together, or is it a power grab, or like how do you see it? Oh man. I wish I knew. I, you know what? I, um, I'm a real fan. Obviously, I, I'm an advocate for electoral reform so that we can have mixed member proportional representation, which means that everybody's vote counts, that your vote will actually be represented in our legislature. Now, uh, those types of governments and mixed member proportional representation, you know, there is a lot of coalition building that happens in those systems uh, because to maintain stability. So you don't have, you know, a ton of political parties and then the government falls all the time. So I actually, you know, yeah. I think coalitions, uh, they are very normal for democracies uh, and um, they're very, you know, they're a way to build consensus. I, I really hope that Canadians get high quality, you know, dental and pharma care from this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I um I don't know what the inside of that conversation looks like. I don't know whether we are being misled. Um I don't yeah. know. I don't have the answers. I what I really do I do think it's important to work together. I think Canadians do need uh, stability. It's not undemocratic. I just want to point that out as well because I think also the NDP does reserve their right to like if if the Liberal government decides to do something egregious, very egregious, uh, they can just yeah. pull it. They pull the plug on the whole thing. So. Um, that being said, yeah. I mean, we just saw massive investments in fossil fuel infrastructure and uh, the NDP was like, yeah, that's okay. I, I don't know. We'll see. That that was, I thought about well, that. Well, okay. I'm going to speak for, I'm going to, uh, let me speak for all the conservatives though. Yeah. It's like they, every, good, yeah. everyone on the left, on the right is saying, okay, well, we're not getting off fuel tomorrow. It's like, you, no, uh, that no one's saying that tomorrow no. we don't need gas or even next week or next month or no, next year. No, of course not. Fair. So from, from, their, from the conservative viewpoint, we still we still need to make investments in whatever the oil sector looks like. I'm not I'm not saying that subsidies to the tunes of million, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars billions, in the sector yeah. are a good idea to a sector that literally only just makes money. Like it's like, why are we subsidizing an industry that doesn't need to advertise doesn't literally doesn't need to do anything but drill, put holes in the earth, and bring up crude. So shareholders, I, the shareholders, uh, Alex. Think fair. Of, think <laughs> of the shareholders. Somebody, please think of the shareholders. Yeah, it's like any. Yeah, so my conservative friends are gonna are gonna say, well, we need we need uh, fossil fuels, and we probably need them until somewhere around mm-hmm. twenty fifty. Mm-hmm. This is the the I, I've I've heard conservative estimates about this. So, what do you say to people who are like? Well, we should. We, we need to continue. It creates jobs, right? Um, we might have. Uh, we need. We need to get our products to market faster. Mm. Like, what do we say to these? My people? my thing is, do we need to invest public dollars in it? I mean, don't we live in an, a free market? I mean, I, I don't think so, but <laughs> they certainly think so. Yeah. You know. So yeah, right. I, they love I, I capitalism just... until, until they don't. <laughs> yes, right. I just. 
I think what's really interesting, I think, again, like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think there's got to be a way to uh, transition faster. And I, I believe there is a way. Uh, certainly in Ontario, like our plan acknowledges, for instance, that a lot of our energy is going to continue to come from nuclear. Like it would be sweet if we were like Quebec and BC and had a bunch of like hydropower. We don't have that uh, in Ontario in the same way that other provinces do. And we have a very large um, nuclear power plant here. Um, and as Greens, uh, I personally, you know, we need to think of a way to get away from nuclear. The the waste storage is really problematic. And uh, and again, it's it becomes an intersectional issue because the waste is often stored in uh, communities like close to indigenous communities and in lower income neighborhoods, especially in the U.S. Like that's an example of that happening. So it's there's like an intersectionality element to it that's really problematic. Um. But we're not, we can't take them all offline tomorrow, right? Just like we're not going to cut off yep. the taps to oil tomorrow. But to invest in new infrastructure like 10 years down the road, like there's also a, a, a thing that happened uh, where the Trudeau government um, like weakened environmental protections uh, and monitoring for coal plants. And it was like, this is all going to become hmm. a thing in 2028. And you're like, how are we even going to be building more coal plants in 2028? Like, how are we even – it's it's unbelievable to me that we still are in making these massive investments in fossil fuel infrastructure and then in making those investments then saying, oh, and by the way, we're actually not going to do as much monitoring as we used to. So you're okay to – you know, the effluent doesn't have to, you know, abide by the standards of yesterday. They're going to be a little bit more lax. And, you know, the tailings, ponds, mm, okay, just you guys take care of them. Industry, you guys take care of it yourselves. I mean, that's that's a problem. And I think if every Canadian and certainly Ontarians heard that that's what goes on in those big corporations, they would be appalled. It's like if you were to come into my restaurant and I was like, well, listen, we lobbied public health and now they don't monitor our fridge temperatures anymore. They just they they just pat us on the back and say, I know you guys will keep it, you know, you guys will keep your fridge in good working order, right? So that's not okay. You won't poison anybody. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 The, the exact same thing has happened with abandoned wells in Alberta. Yes. The, oh, the, like the, uh -huh. yes. That there is no plan for the abandoned oil wells in the after, in the aftermath because the private corporation did not factor in the dollars to take care of the well after they mm -hmm. left it. So they just said, oh, uh, government's going to handle that one, right? Mm -hmm. And then you now have an environmental catastrophe on your hands that mm -hmm. the government ultimately does put the bill for. Yes. Well, okay. Uh, I think it – hold on. That's, I, I want to – the the situation – Remind me of what would happen with Jody Wilson uh, Raybould, where she yeah, what was that situation again? It was it. I uh, was the SNC scandal. SNC Lavalin. Okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, I wrote oh, about that extensively. I'm, I'm really obsessed. I, I'm really interested I, in that. Like, okay. Uh, okay. I'm not making a moral judgment about what happened. I'm going to just make a statement about the way people might. In, like think about what went on. Okay, mm -hmm. you can make decision A and keep eight thousand jobs 
in the province or decision B and those 8,000 go away. And that would be disastrous, right? Like if you take a small town, like, you know, let's not, mm-hmm. let's not use any of the major GTA, GTA cities, but let's, let's take a place like, well, let's take like Alliston. Okay. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know, Alliston is a small town, a sort of Northern Ontario. If we, t- I think it's got, correct me here, 25,000 people, maybe. Mm-hmm. If 8,000 people were to lose their jobs in that community who mm-hmm. relied on a single plant or, or job creator, mm-hmm. that's so devastating. It's It, it would ruin the mm-hmm. town of Alston. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. not saying that these 8,000 jobs from SNC Lavalin were going to go away. For, you know, they, they were all in one town. But I, I, I like think yeah. of the impact of lo- the loss of 8,000 jobs, right? So we could play this game with the oil companies, right? It's like, well, okay, if we give them a bit of permits, like, like loosen environmental restrictions, we don't lose tens of thousands of jobs. Mm-hmm. And like if if the if, if propping up the economy is the best way to do some recovery here mm-hmm. after post-pandemic, mm-hmm. then I, I don't know. I think that people like we do have governments mm-hmm. thinking in the short term because mm-hmm. those people and their, their their little kids who go to school and they're you know it's like that mm-hmm. really matters to some to some mm-hmm. extent. I'm yeah. not saying it's right to have tailing mm-hmm. tailings ponds. I'm saying that there's that what do you think about this? This the sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess I would say that just, you know, it's kind of like the cost of doing business to make sure you're not polluting the environment around you. Like I, you know, I just think again, like the market itself, you know, your business has to function in a way that allows you to take care of the environment. Otherwise you just have a a crappy business, right? And it's not, you know, making sure, making sure you're not polluting the environment around you, um, it, you know, saying saying you have to abide by these standards is not getting rid of that industry, right? That's not the same thing. It's sure. saying it's saying you you can you can mine here. Like let's take mining for example, because mining can be quite dirty. You can mine here. But we're going to have our provincial uh, monitors come in, make sure uh, everything's up to, you know, up to snuff so that you're not uh, leaching toxic chemicals into local waterways and then poisoning communities' wells and then folks get cancer and, you know, it becomes a big public health issue. That, I mean, saying that you are going to do everything you can as a government to ensure that this industry abides by strong regulation is not saying they can't do that business. If you can't be profitable, or at least if you can't do the work you're doing without, you know, poisoning everything around you, then you shouldn't be doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think. Um, nope. So, I, look, you're, you're preaching the corner here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, on the SNC thing, um, that that's a really interesting conversation because I think we we assume that our companies are operating abroad uh, in a very ethical way, and we know that they aren't. They are not. And mm-hmm. yeah, no. This is the thing, like the big promise of globalization was that it was going to bring peace to the world because, you know, in 1992, when uh, the Soviet Union collapsed, a scholar named Francis Fukuyama wrote, you know, this is the end of history. I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have come, it's, you know, it's the big theory at the end of the Cold War. Democracy Uh, will reign supreme. Capitalism, you know, we will no longer have war because states that trade with one another will not go to war. And, uh, you know, essentially 
that very quickly, that, that idealism very quickly disintegrated. (laughs) And then, you know, you had the Samuel, Samuel Huntington thesis, which was, uh, in, I guess it was from foreign affairs in 1996. And it was like, okay, it's a clash of civilizations. We're going to have a clash of civilizations now. Um, because, uh, very, you know, Kuwait and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, we don't have a good sort of understanding of how our companies are operating abroad because we assume that they're operating just like they would here, very ethically. We know that's not the case. Uh, gold mining companies, Canadian uh, gold companies, uh, some of their mines in parts of Africa have seen horrible violence. Um, you know, Tanzanian villagers uh, getting killed uh, by security companies, not, of course, directly affiliated with the mines, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just shady, shady stuff. And, you know, Stephen Harper always still praised them and would say, like, they are operating on the highest principles of Canadian law. And you're like, "Uh, actually, the evidence points you know, not in that direction. And so with SNC, we're doing business in Libya and for many years. And the irony was that, you know, Andrew Scheer actually had this conversation as well with SNC executives that he would try to ensure that Mm -hmm. they would just be able to do like, you know, pay the fine, pay the, I'll try and get you the fine. (laughs) And you know, it yeah. just became this yeah. political again. Here's the toxicity of politics. It became a political game, and I, you know, Jody Wilson Raybould got caught in. She was ensnared in it. She got caught in in having to make this really. I I so stand with her. I'm so in admiration of her, and just saying no, this is not okay, because at some point somebody has to blow the whistle. And she did it. And it was very brave of her. I agree that whistleblowing is a thing that we need to protect. I don't agree with pre-recording conversations that Mm -hmm. you have with people in an effort Mm -hmm. to use them later. I think that that is ethically corrupt. Um, I've never done it myself. And I hope no one ever pre-records conversations with me to maybe use them later. So I I don't agree with what she... I'm I'm using (laughs) this one, Alex. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. No, but I thought that part of mm-hmm. what she did was like what made me not like her or what she did. I was like, okay, you know what? You didn't seem like your intentions didn't seem pure. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like, you know, if you do the wrong thing mm-hmm. in in the it, it, where you're tr- you, you do the wrong thing in order to get a good result. Mm-hmm. I, it's like you just said this earlier. The well, way exactly, we win matters. Exactly. And I thought that she yeah. didn't. Yeah, I thought that that was the shiftiest stuff she could have done, but mm-hmm. whatever. I, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. On 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 on, on but yeah, yeah, no, totally. I I mean, I don't, I don't pretend to know what it's like to be her or you know what everything that went down. I mm-hmm. I don't I don't even know that we have the full story. I I think it's you know probably not. Probably so not. I I I reserve. You know, I'm just gonna say that. You know, I, I, I don't, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying totally. I'm more interested in like the- just, You know what? I have enough information. I'm not going to make a judgment call on her. We need Perfect. To, That's what everyone should be doing. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I, I just don't have enough information. Yeah. I'm not going to make a judgment. Call. Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't, I don't think, you know, yeah. I think my, my interest is more around like, we need to have a long look in the mirror and ask ourselves, like, are we yeah. okay with how our corporations behave in other parts of the world? And um, would be would we be okay if there was like outright bribery happening, you know, here? And uh, I don't know. I I know I would no, I know wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be okay with it. I yeah. know you guys wouldn't be okay with it. So you know, I think we need to have a conversation around that. And um, yeah, and so this is what I say: like we have to have standards in place so that businesses that operate here operate on a high ethical standard because you know, as a small business, like that's what we do. We don't get to like, you know, not take care of the people that our customers and our community and our environment. And, you know, so I think it's just fair yeah. that the big guys, you know, this is, the, heard, the, yeah. yeah. I just heard Russell Brand talking about this on, on his podcast. It was something like, um, the military industrial complex exists in the United States almost as a, as a function to one, get to three and four star generals jobs after they leave government and two, to just keep reinvesting money. Uh, like, like he said something like Lockheed Martin only exists to take government contract money. That's it. So, mm -hmm. but then they pay lobbyists in order to, to uh, lobby <laughs> senators to give them those contracts. And then just, this goes around and around and around and that's the way the government functions is, to some extent. And he said like, well, how we, how would we ever change that? And it's like, well, there's a hopelessness about it in that you probably can't, right? Mm -hmm. They they have all the power. But I, I mean, I'm not saying you can't. I'm, that That's the mm -hmm. sentiment is that you can't change a system like that. Um, uh, and I'm throwing at a lot of terms here, but it was like, I'm, and, I, and I'm probably butchering what he was talking about, but it was something like that where where um, if the senators are, who, who, I forget what they're all called, you know, in the United States, they're all, they're all on the take and they create laws in order to get themselves more on the take and lobbyists come mm -hmm. in and come and put mm -hmm. the more on to, and this just goes around and around and around and around. So, yeah. so I hear you on the ethical, like creating ethical standards around uh, government and uh, yeah. yeah, my intuition again, is going to get worse. U.S. again, very different place <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think that yeah. th that's a roadmap. Our, our politics has become so divisive and toxic and it's based on what's going on in the U.S. Like Doug Ford was elected in a way that was very Trump-esque, if you will, in my opinion. Um, very politics of division, uh, a lot of toxicity, broken promises, state saying things that are wildly untrue. Like that's a playbook. And he, if you don't, if we think that that's not more of not, that's not coming from the conservatives, then we're again, like remember I said, why do we lose? <laughs> why are we losing here for the, for the people doing the right things? It's like, well, because that level of, of politics is, is gaming the system in a way that that's going to make them win. So well, I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, no, you know, no, I the think obvious maybe this is actually, this is, I mean, outside of, let's say a green initiative to offer some sort of standard dollar amount beverage, a, a buck a beer, if you will, um, <laughs> to, to Ontarians. Um, is there any sort of direct, emotionally resonant statement you think the greens are taking that no other party is really taking a stance on that ultimately is that that compulsion it's piece it's a buck a shot of wheatgrass that's yeah I think, yeah i mean I, i'm not saying everyone. we should go with that but I, 
Yeah, yeah. You get a smoothie. You get a smoothie. Everybody get smoothies. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, uh, again, so I'm taking this for my friend, Matt Richter, who is running an incredible campaign in Perry Sound, Muskoka. He came in second in the 2018 election. And That's a big deal. He is he yeah, lost by just a couple thousand votes, I think. Um, he his message is really resonating. I mean, it's a conservative riding. So, you know, and I I am mm-hmm. in a conservative riding. And so there's a lot, of course, Alex, you and I both know there's a lot of NDP and and liberals here too, ton of greens, but there's overwhelmingly yeah. a lot of splitting conservatives. The, splitting the vote. Well, there there is, but there's uh, so the last by my measure for the MP was I for, I'm not going to say his name out loud because I don't like him, but he won 48 to so 52 percent of constituents in our riding voted for the alternative parties on the left. Yes, 48 percent yeah, voted conservative. Well, which I, I include PPC in that. So it's mm-hmm. like we are we are not a conservative riding. I don't like mm-hmm. to say that we mm-hmm. are. We are a diverse riding full yeah. of liberals and conservatives, but mm-hmm. but we are o- overwhelmingly we are more liberal than we are conservative. Yeah. And I, th- again, we don't have the hate win factor mm-hmm. in this in this uh, yes. election. So uh, I was Kathleen just Wynn yeah being, yeah you know, for those who don't know, but yeah yeah no, I was just gonna she was say, the former yeah. Uh, I think I think no, the, go ahead, go ahead. the numbers from 2018 reflect what exactly what you said because those uh, like the conservative incumbent here of like did win a huge vote share in 2018. Uh, I thought I, mm-hmm. I I I mean I know how many I votes I got I know how many votes Bob got and how many votes the NDP got and it's yeah, yeah it wasn't it wasn't close to what yeah. the conservative had but no yeah that being said. Um, I think the thing, the magic thing that Greens can offer is uh, is honesty, independence, integrity, and just a desire to to end the political games and get to work and work across party lines. And it is it's a different kind of politics. And so I think you know it's is is it easy to communicate that to people? I'm not a communications expert, but I can tell you that we have some really fantastic people in, on our team who, uh, as you'll see when the election gets going, that have really done an excellent job um, at really distilling those ideas. Um, so, and I think, I mean, I'm going to get better at communicating that without saying so much. But I'm a bit, I'm I'm an academic. I'm long-winded. I have to get better at, you know, really tightening it up. <laughs> well, it's like it's like Green Green Party of Ontario. We're not new coke. We're water. Um, <laughs> or, <laughs> like, like there's yeah, there's if if it's a hopefully it's just like, you know, the difference in communications, right? Cuz yeah. ultimately your your undecided voters, if if there is true indecision, voters want to make a reasonable choice emotionally. That's mm-hmm. all they want. Mm-hmm. They wanna they want it to feel right, but then if anybody asks them about it, they're gonna say, "Well, if you look at how where they stand, mm-hmm. then the reason comes up." But really, when they're going to you know a voting booth, I want to say it's it's gut. 
and it's uh, evaluation of how much grit they can bring to the conversation when someone asks them about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of That's folks- That's confidence. Yeah, that is. I think a lot of people, I mean, I know that um, you know people who put a lawn sign on their lawn for a green candidate- they always say, you know, this feels really, really good. <laughs> you know, I'm really, I'm voting for what I believe in. I'm standing up for my community and the environment we all share. And it's, there isn't all, like, we just don't have that, like, as much baggage, I guess. Like, we, we're we just in, you know, yeah. and I, I, I mean, and, and I think the big thing is, is that we're really trying to we want to go forward and just make sure that we're always staying honest and ethical. And I mean, we are honest and ethical. We don't have to, you know, we're just going to continue to do that. And so, yeah, if, if that means we win elections, awesome. Cause then we can get to work. Uh, if that means it's going to be a lot harder and take a lot longer then then that's what it takes. It, it, you know, Mike Schraner, right. Uh, how many times did he run? twice or once or twice before he won in Guelph. Um, and Matt Richter and Perry's down Muskoka, I think this will be his fifth time running. And I, I really think he's, okay. he's gonna, he's gonna get a win there. And Diane Sachs was the former environment. For him, com- like mm-hmm. taking, he's taking a beating. So it's like, you know, you lose four or five times like that. I mean, for me personally, I think I, I'm probably not going to try this again, but good for him for, 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 you know, bootstrapping and, mm-hmm. and going back out there. Mm-hmm. I see he's aware yeah. of the Tom Petty song, Don't Back Down, uh, or Won't Back <laughs> yeah. Down. Or, won't Back Down, that's it. And, yeah, won't there it is, there it is. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I believe he can play it on guitar. Yes, I'm sure he can. And he won't. I mean, he's, yeah, and people, yeah, people love him up there. And I think because he is just so, like, he perseveres because he believes in it. And it's the only way. I mean, it's the only way we can't, what, you know, what else matters if we're not, I mean, if our children don't have a livable future, you know, and I actually think at this point with what we're hearing from the intergovernmental panel on climate change, like in our lifetime, things are going to get very, they are going to get terrible. They're already terrible for so many people in the world, including for many Canadians whose towns are burning down. Um, this summer I went to go for a bike ride. Well, I was, I was biking to work and I like got outside and I was like, why is the sky so pink? Like what is happening here? Like I couldn't even see. And then I like opened my weather network app. And of course there was like all those fires in Northern Ontario and the air quality here in the GTA was horrible. I mean, it was like, don't go outside. Elderly people stay inside. If you have asthma, stay inside. Do not exercise. I'm like, oh, I I bike to work. Like, I got to go, you know? So it's just, it's scary. And it's, um, and it, and it will come knocking and it will be, it will not be pretty because it's going to be things like climate change is, it'll be growing seasons are weird, or we have crazy drought years, or we have crop failures. And so it will hit us in ways that you don't even think it's going to hit you. You know, we think we're very food secure. Mm-hmm. Look at what the pandemic has revealed. We are not food secure. Uh, and and in particular, yeah. yeah, the war in Ukraine, another good example. Food security. Yeah, that's a, that. I was you just take bring it that for granted. Because, we take it for yeah, granted. Yeah, I just heard. I heard something like 
30% of the world's seed crops, I think for wheat, mm-hmm. come from Ukraine and Russia. And the war has seen that almost stop, yes. essentially. So uh, that's- or will. And and apparently we're on a, you could correct me on this, we're on a 90-day food cycle on the, on the planet. Yeah. We yeah. are about renewing our, our resources about every 90 days and that this has put this will shorten that time frame and people who are living on less than you know sort of a cup of rice every day those people will just starve to death immediately on if the food cycle becomes 30 days or something like that it'll be or or goes longer sorry yeah. the longer it gets the worse it gets right yeah. so if it goes 120 or 150 day recovery it's like we're we're in trouble yeah. i think i have that right am i wrong yeah, with that no, if it no. gets longer it gets worse yes longer would be worse so yes so they say like we are in we we could be in if the war in Ukraine goes on any longer we could be we could see mass starvation mm-hmm. and I don't know what mass means mm-hmm. any amount of starvation is bad but I mean this could be yeah it could be th- thousands and tens of thousands or millions of people potentially starving so it's, it's I don't think people I don't think people really know about that mm-hmm. no it's devastating so um, it's devastating because. It's just crisis upon crisis upon crisis. Obviously, the the humanitarian situation on the ground in Ukraine is is awful and heartbreaking, and uh, just it's it's just so yeah, it's terrible. And uh, I I would love to you know know what I what else I could do, but you know, but then you think about the ripple effects. There's so many ripple effects. So, for instance, people in Lebanon will be impacted by this. People in Afghanistan, like a lot of states, Lebanon's port is still um, busted from the explosion that happened in 2020. Uh, so that port yeah. uh, receives grain uh, and and wheat from Ukraine, and then it, it sort of goes out from there. So it is really... Um, it, it, the ripple effects are super problematic and just reinforce... Well, one, that we need to have peace immediately, but two, also that we need to make sure food security is always top of mind. And yeah, and it's no different in Ontario. We can't just be paving over farmland because uh, it's our most precious resource. No, there's a there's a there's an awful, awful twist in contractual law called force majeure that is often just a stipulation added near Near the end of the contract, oh, in the event that, you know, some sort of unavoidable catastrophe, natural disaster, act of God, mm-hmm. or anything that could be so unforeseen and and annihilating that it would allow us to default on this contract without it, you know, affecting yeah, as I, uh, financially, um, when those clauses start getting executed upon on futures contracts for commodities, you know that the More wealthiest trouble. people in the world are losing <laughs> a lot of money. Because catastrophe is the name of the game. Yeah. And that's the most terrifying. It's really not. It is It is all facets of the economy. It is all facets of daily life. And it's mm-hmm. all facets of the environment. Like there, there is not, uh, not an element of life that will go unchanged. Mm-hmm. If, well, our, our current consumerist lifestyle goes unchecked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I disagree. 100%. I think we can we can spend uh, indefinitely. We have an, we have an infinite amount of resources. only Alex only in the metaverse. I was trying to tell the you this metaverse. last time. Only the metaverse is infinite. Is the metaverse? Oh, yeah. Do you know how much a pair? Like, like, do, do you know how much a pair of Gucci shoes cost in the metaverse? It's like oh, so expensive, man. So yeah. expensive, and it's just the NFT of the Gucci shoes. You can't even That's wear it. them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Oh my god! Uh, I, I was trying to like go like there's like a, a person I work with at work who's like I go okay hold on so you would buy something metaverse yeah okay but yeah but you can't actually wear it or touch it so like okay okay yeah, maybe maybe I'm maybe I don't get this then so like, you're what? you're the kid who bought the skins in Halo Three and we all laughed at you online like that's what it is uh, okay those are forever okay so. <laughs> I, I am I, I am all time at Halo Three. Okay, you know that. Everyone knows that. Let's check tape. Let's check tape. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I I don't. I I yeah. I don't want to get into the metaverse. Like that's a that's a dark hole. But yeah, um, it is. It's a very dark hole. It's a very dark hole. Yeah. Right. It's, it's scary, man. It's Ready Player One meets. I don't know some type of weird like just, uh, just Facebook. Facebook is a bad word. I'll say yeah, it. <laughs> we could just say it. Yeah, I don't think it's it's Meta now. Oh yeah, sorry, it's Meta. meta. Uh, I'm mean, talking yeah. about Meta. Yeah. I don't know if either of you feel this, but like, I mean, just in terms of how we communicate with one another and just the pace of our life, and I mean, I would be totally fine going back to 1995. Like, I really the internet. I I mean, social media. Just all of it. I, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I mean, I understand that there's there's a lot of good that comes with it too. And I use social media to spread my messages around protecting the environment and all of that. But I think I'm speaking more to the idea that, you know, when you wanted to talk to a friend, you would just pick up the phone and call them. And sometimes you would call them several times a week. Yeah. And you know, you just would make mixtapes for people and you would have to tune into a show like right at the time it was airing because if you didn't, you would miss the episode. And then you would have a TV totally. guide that would give you a synopsis of the episode that was coming on this week. There's, I mean, I I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not trying to romanticize the past. I think, I'll, you know, but it's just kind of, I feel like things are very, yeah, I think because I have so much climate anxiety and because I think about, you know, what, where are we all going to live? Um, you know, and mm. I am looking at these problems seem so overwhelming. And I just sometimes I'm like, man, if things would just slow down a little bit. And maybe that's why I'm thinking about 1995. I don't know. But yeah. Well, we're, we are, the speed of technology is such that well, you're saying what you're, what you're saying is saying we have this old hardware that we're operating on, right? Mm-hmm. But we're accelerating technology is accelerating in a way that's not actually it's not updating our old software. We're still very much you know like uh, we're a slave to our lizard brains to some extent, and 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 that's why it feels this way. I think right the the bang of your phone and the mm-hmm. um the your Facebook feed feeding the algorithms manipulating your lizard brain into things mm-hmm. that you don't you don't really want to do right. So mm-hmm. I, I get that. I was saying to Adam last week on the, when we were having this conversation was like for the first time in a long time I felt like my future is in jeopardy because I heard that the Ford government may get another uh, majority. And I thought, yeah, this is like really disappointing from a healthcare and education perspective. And I was like, mm-hmm. my, 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 my literal future is in jeopardy. And I've never felt that way. You know, you know, you're like, get comfortable in your life and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, things are going along pretty well here. Uh, it's like, and then karma's like, no, it's time for a major, it's time for a, a check. Yeah. And that's what this feels like a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I hear you I, on the, on the oh climate anxiety. I, you know, I'm there too. But, but yeah. I mean, 
Alex. I if if I, you know, if if he wins another majority, don't think that the rest of us are just going to stand idly by and and allow healthcare no, no. to continue to take a beating. Like I, I'm just I'm not going anywhere and neither I know I mean other community activists and We'll just do everything we can. And Mike Schreiner, sole man at Queens Park who will be willing to, you know, just do whatever it takes to uh, to make sure that we repeal Bill 124 and, yeah, and just, you know, make sure that paramedics, yeah, just have the resources they need and are respected and cared for. And sorry, Adam, I saw you wanted to say something. Yeah, I, I well, I think this, this actually, this is... Opens up like a uh, kind of a a comprehension analysis. I I really want to know from your perspective, like, is there anything about the provincial election process or even even provincial politics in general that you think the public either completely misunderstands or has like no concept of that you can? Oh, I have one. I have one. Like, what what is this? It's pro. The difference between first past the post and proportional representation, almost no one I know knows the difference between those two. And I see Laura's like nodding her head. It's like, yeah, I, I, I think people grossly misunderstand what that what that is and why anybody wants it or doesn't want it. Kind mm-hmm. of so that that's I, just what I'm not saying. You should answer that. I'm just saying no. that that is one I notice a lot. Actually, I would love I would love for us to have some kind of system whereby we can. Um, you know, where people can learn in a safe environment about these different systems and just, you know, how important they are and how important it is that we pick the best model possible. Democracy, I I think somebody keeps saying, you know, democracy is the best of the worst systems of governance. You know, I've heard that come up a few times. But within democracy, there are actually better systems. And there is an expert, uh, you may have come across him, his name is Dave Meslin, um, and he wrote a book on this. He's an expert on electoral systems. He lives in Toronto. He's a brilliant guy, um, and he, CBC always has him on to talk about the different, you know, to explain, you know, what first past the post versus proportional representation looks like. And I wish that he could go into every single civics class in this province and, and you know, teach kids about this. And I know that it's taught, or at least I hope it is. I'm, I, I don't remember civics. I was in grade 10. I, that's a long time ago. Same. I, I also don't remember. Like, I don't ever remember anybody telling me about this it or was how in, to vote. It yeah. was in, a mortgage or, in grade know, 10 and it was only yeah. half the curriculum because the other half was careers. Oh, careers. Oh, Civics and careers. I love yeah. careers. Yeah. Careers told me Participation I Participation in, in the democratic process was That's only 50% right. of the unit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I know. What did careers say you should do? I think it was- Assassin. Uh, Clearly. It was yeah, to be a, you, that's obvious for you, yeah. What was it? It was either lawyer or journalist. And I really wanted it to be actress because I was in the theater program and I was like, my whole life is ruined. I wanted to win an Oscar and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. 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 Yes. Here, here you are in a sad state uh, running as MPP with your 
be- 2.3 children, beautiful children in your business. Yeah. How, da- how dare they tell you what you should be? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Where the question is things like, do you prefer justice or truth? And you're like, ah, I'm so divided. And they're like, okay, could be Batwoman, could be a lawyer, could be a journalist. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Batwoman. Yes. No, it's a. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I don't remember what it said, but it was something like that. I remember feeling like, oh, that doesn't feel right for me. Although um, I I did think about going to law school, but I don't. I I'm starting to recognize as an adult that I I have ADHD big time. Like I I don't think I could survive in an environment where I like, especially like thinking about corporate law where you're just pouring over documents all day long. And it's ironic because I love pouring over documents, but those documents have to tell me something very, you know, magical. That's why I loved being and love being a historian because I do love being in an archive and I can get lost and focus really hyper focus for hours on end on like, something that but it has to mean something to me um and i think that's why i have this drive as a green because it has so much meaning to me and uh and also why i can hyper focus at you know our busy restaurant when you know i'm working there because i'm like okay this is important you know this has meaning to me not to say that you know what lawyers do isn't important. I just don't have the brain for it. <laughs> I'm glad there's. Let's people plug the there. restaurant. Can we yeah, can we can we plug the restaurant? Yes. Yeah, I was about to yes. say. Yes, let's can plug, we plug the restaurant, restaurant and then and then I'm gonna sign off because uh, I think my like you can see Kip in the background is still awake and that that will He's come like, a knocking tomorrow morning <laughs> when when I'm like time to get up <laughs> and there will be a revolt. There will be a revolt. Um, no, yeah, 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 the restaurant's great. We make everything. Oh, that I can't take. I can't take much credit for it because it's all the brilliance of Shell Campbell, um, and uh, he is a fantastic chef. And uh, so we make. Well, he makes everything from scratch. Uh, he is an artist. Like it's always perfect. I, I don't. Uh, we make you know sandwiches, salads, burgers, fries. You know all kinds of stuff that's just very handy to have at lunchtime. <laughs> okay, I'll, 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 I'll do the consumer. I'll, I'll do it from the consumer standpoint. Consumer side, yes. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, it's called Pia's on Broadway. It used to be Pia's Bakery. We yes. used to, actually, we used to get bread and your, I think your mom used to make this bread. Yes, yes. or no? Yes. Well, Shell made it, yeah. but my mom- And your mom made handmade bread, right? <laughs> my Well, actually, Shell was the baker then. And my mom just told him what oh, to make. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. As your mom does, she's she seems like a strong, a very strong <laughs> yes, lady. Yes. 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 Um, he was right to do what she told him. I think that's yeah, well, fair to say. So yeah, so Pia's on Broadway is yeah, it's sort of like a, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a lunch spot. You guys did dinner a little bit, but now you're solely kind of doing like the lunch thing. Mm-hmm. And Shell, I, I was talking about this because um, we ended up uh, like uh, you know, just for people who don't know this, obviously, I, I sort of shepherded him into hunting a little bit because mm-hmm. he wanted to get into hunting. I uh, got his mm-hmm. first turkey on my property, mm-hmm. which I was super happy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He makes the bread. He, he's like, I would bake all day. I love making bread. He's like one of those people who loves the the art and the science of bread making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all the bread that's served at the restaurant, he actually freaking makes, which I'm like, mm-hmm. man, that's so laborious. But it that's, is. I mean, you can taste it, right? 
yeah. yeah honestly go for the uh the turk the brie the turk you still have the cranberry turkey yeah, and brie sandwich. yeah yeah we call it the winter classic <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite sandwich <laughs> I, I that's it the winter classic yes the winter classic uh, yeah it's so freaking good it's it's really <laughs> it's good. So good you know we have a summer classic now so i actually came i will take credit i came up with that sandwich the winter classic i was like you know because i make a lot of cob okay so we have another turkey sandwich which has blue cheese and avocado on it it's, it's like so freaking good too it's yeah, so yeah. good so so it's like it's like a club sandwich, but elevated because it has blue cheese and avocado on it. And I mean, like fully, at least half of people are like, oh, no blue cheese. Put cheddar on it instead. And oh, no tomato. And like there's a lot of modif- no. modifications. And let me tell you, anyone who's ever worked in a kitchen, modifications slow you down in a kitchen, in a busy kitchen where you're yeah. like reading the chit. You're like, wait, what? No onion? Oh, God. No mayo? Oh, I already put mayo on it. Like, it's crazy. And so yeah, I was yeah. like, we need another yeah. turkey sandwich where people are, are going to be like, just to, you know, to give people the other option. Because I really love cheese with like a sweet condiment. Like, I love red pepper jelly and aged cheddar. Like, those are mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful. So then, yeah, I was like, okay, cranberry, brie, turkey, yes. So that's our winter classic. And then I was like, hmm, what about a summer classic? And this is where my love of red pepper jelly, I was like, okay, so we could do aged cheddar, red pepper jelly, and then shells like, and pork loin. And I was like, okay, pork loin. And I say this with a ton of enthusiasm. You'd think that I eat all this stuff. I'm actually a vegetarian. I haven't eaten meat in like (laughs) a long time. Uh. But it's I know it's So you a, would know. Yeah. I would know. Yeah. No, I, would I think know the cheddar that. and the, the red pepper red pepper and cheddar probably creates like an umami that's like got great mouthfeel. Like it's just like it's a salt it's a sweet earthy maybe a little spicy. Yeah, it's probably it's probably great. So I haven't and had that one personally, but I usually really went I, I probably ate a cob sandwich like once a week for I don't know, for like 2 years from here. I remember that. And I'm then so you lazy just, at work. And you just, disappeared. Yeah. I, I remember you used to come in all the time and yeah, then we'd we always moved. have a little chat and then you were just yeah. gone. And I was like, well, there Alex is gone now. We, we moved <laughs> out of town. We moved yeah, we moved out of town and yeah. And you know what? Parking on the main street is just brutal sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, it is. And it totally a, anyway, is. I, I, P is on P is on Broadway. If you're in the Dufferin area and you want a, a fantastic lunch, like uh, you know, I'm not just saying it because I like you and I, you know, we're and we're friends, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's legitimately um, a, a really good place. And the, I love your atmosphere, Thank the family you. style tables, yeah. none of the chairs match, like that type of stuff for yeah. me is like it, it gets me. It's it's family, you know, like that's yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Laura, is there anything you'd like to sign off with? A, a closing remark, a a stock you'd like us all to pump, a crypto you'd like us to buy? No, what uh, what would you like to close off? <laughs> Ethereum, Elysium. No, wait, what's uh, no, Ethereum? Shell, yeah. Damon? <laughs> Shell bought uh, one of the one of those. I don't remember which one. I was like, why? Okay. That's a bad idea. Don't buy crypto. But he did anyway. So whatever, mm. no judgment. He does his thing, but I, I was what in ten, 10 years he's gonna be. He's gonna make you eat your words. You watch. <laughs> I <laughs> he's gonna make so. three dollars on the thousand I spent. See, yeah. <laughs> you can buy me a coffee. No, but I guess uh, mm-hmm. I'm just. I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. That I was your first guest, and also, can I come back? Can I come back after the election? Because. Because maybe maybe we can do a post-mortem. And also because I really um, 
you know, my brain is a little fried right now. I had COVID a few weeks ago and I'm, um, yeah, I'm just a little like, woo, like I'm totally fine now. You have the brain fog. I have yeah. the brain fog. I have the brain yeah. fog and I'm, I'm in election mode and, uh, I'm so glad I was able to chat with you guys and give you some perspective on the greens and the kind of politics I'm interested in. And yeah, like just go check out the housing paper, go check out the mental health platform, go, go definitely go check out the climate paper. It's brilliant. Um, because I think you, you'll just be so, it'll give you the same amount of hope as it gives me because there's so many good ideas out there. It's like, yes, this is what we need to be pursuing. And, uh, and, and again, I would love to come back and talk more like, you know, global politics and, history and totally uh, <clears throat> and that kind of stuff as long as joe rogan Deal. isn't on <laughs> yeah <laughs> poor rogan he's getting beat up uh where can people find you online what's oh, your good question. like a, do you have a website i do i yeah. well the the website like on social media i'm instagram at laura campbell gpo and my website is laura dash campbell.ca i think <laughs> you can it's a really good website um just search Laura campbell and see what comes up basically it, yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. uh and that's where you can find me and then i think i have a facebook too i i'm less active on the facebook page um a facebook doesn't like me when I post things, it like it doesn't get any likes. Like the algorithms, they realize that I was inactive for like two years on there. I I basically only come on mm. Facebook, Alex, to like and comment on your posts, and then I leave. I'm like, let's see what happens. <laughs> like, let's let's see what happens. Kind of craziness. Has he here, 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 yeah. here, here. Yeah. and yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I I don't and really get like in fights with get in fights with my conservative friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't it. do that. Anymore. I know, I'm just kidding. I, I, love it. I love it. That was the old me. The new me, the new me is like, this is not going to help anyone or anything. And no, it's better to no. just go and have a cup of coffee with someone, right? We all know this. And honestly, yeah, like, right. yeah. it's just not useful to, to have. It's just, I wasted a lot of time, you know, trying to be in comments and be like, hey, but here's my argument and it's a good one, you know? But, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't think it achieves. I totally agree. Yeah. Anything. So anyway, thank you so much. I'm going to go put my kids to bed and I hope that you guys get a lot of, you know, people listen to this. Yeah. So do we. (laughs) We we are aligned on those goals at least. You're both brilliant. And this has been such a pleasure. A thousand times. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you doing it. And, uh, and I hope everybody checks out more about the green party platform and, yeah, doesn't yeah. vote for Dr- Doug Ford. I mean, yeah. I'm just going to say it out loud. Don't vote for this dude. Uh, no. <laughs> and and really, too, in a, in the spirit of one-upsmanship, I will 1,001 thank yous. And uh, yeah, definitely don't vote Doug Ford. He really, with that hair, come on. Ad hominem attack at least. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand him. I can't stand his folksy doughboy walk. I just, there's so much things I, yeah. that they're, they're below me to even say them. Check out the Green Party of Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely check Thank out laura campbell guys yeah thanks so much i'll uh, i'll talk to you guys soon